There we are. We are live with Abby. Is it Kirschler? Yes, Kirschler. Yep. And uh, she's over there in Pittsburgh, PA. Yep. <laughs> and Star Wars nerd. So we got the Duel of the Fates. Oh, we got six people watching already. That's fun. Um, and then I got my Rick and Morty shirt. Little little tr attempt at cosplay. That's the best I'm going to do. And I got my Super PT. We're talking about physical therapy. And uh, here we go. So, Abby, you're a third-year student out of three, for those who don't know, in the physical therapy space. You got, you're almost done, almost got your doctorate. Um, and, yeah, all, a lot of this connection here started because you had a, a controversial tweet, we'll call it. <laughs> and, Fair enough, uh, yeah. <laughs> controversial enough. And uh, basically, yeah, uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk. I graduated in 2008. I keep an eye on the profession. And one question that a lot of us professionals ask is, would you do it all over again, knowing how much debt we went into and uh, what the salaries are and what the profession looks like? And the fact that I think a lot of physical therapists end up doing things that they could have done otherwise without kind of that title, because uh, I do a lot of lifestyle coaching. I do a lot of diet uh, and, and strength and conditioning type stuff more than I probably do some physical therapy stuff as much as I enjoy doing that. We're going to turn uh darth mall off here um but yeah uh so what led you because you have a background in powerlifting right bodybuilding um, bodybuilding sorry yeah. uh okay. that's all right so uh you have a background in bodybuilding and uh what led you down that path tell us a little bit about that uh down to i'm gonna go get a doctorate in physical therapy and go into a lot of debt and uh <laughs> what led you down that path yeah, so um, I had always been into lifting um, sports growing up all my life pretty much, and um, I played rugby at Pitt for a few years, um, broke my foot, didn't know what a physical therapist was, um, and then I had to go to a PT to rehab that broken fifth metatarsal, actually was the uh, injury, um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life until then. I knew I was passionate about health and nutrition and fitness, and I wanted to help people in some capacity. But like being like a personal trainer seemed like to me, and maybe just like from my parents' pressure and stuff, like not like good enough. Um, and I didn't really know what would be like a stable, solid career to um, facilitate my passions and things I was really interested in and that I was good at. Um, but then I discovered physical therapy, having to rehab my own injury. And I was like, this is perfect. I can like use a more scientific approach. I will go to more schooling. I'll be more respected. I'll have a, my doctorate. I didn't know at the time how expensive school was and how little physical therapists actually kind of make compared to the investment that we put into school. Um, but I was just so excited about having some sort of like path that would facilitate my interests and passions and hobbies um yeah so that's kind of why <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so and and but you you made it through two full years already right and you're in your yep. third uh so tell us a little bit about i guess that experience and and you know jumping ahead to the the fact that yeah there's a lot of things i think we'd all like to change but uh just just go into uh yeah how, how have those first two years been of the three so it's, it's been kind of challenging to kind of put in perspective like what a normal PT experience would even be like because I started my um, PT education at the crux of the pandemic. Mm. Um, yeah, so partially online, didn't even know my full class until a few months ago. Um, and 
it's been, I think having a background in lifting and bodybuilding has kind of shifted my perspective with some things that were taught in the classroom. Um, it's, there are things that were t- like, you know, shoulder flexion with internal rotation is bad in the PT world, but I would do upright rows all the time in the gym for my delts, or I would do Arnold presses. And there are certain things that like, I was like, I don't know if I really buy into that. And um, the more I kind of dug into the PT space on um, social media and saw that some people were kind of coming up with like disconnects within the strength and conditioning fields and the PT space too, I was kind of like, I started kind of questioning how much I'm learning was really going to help me in my professional life and help me help people, which is my ultimate goal and why I wanted to go to PT school. And this isn't to say that like, I'm everything I'm learning in the classroom is useless or anything, but there are some things where I feel like my time could have better been spent elsewhere. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, I think a lot of folks joke about stuff like that from, you know, uh, elementary school, junior high school, trigonometry. How often do we use trigonometry or calculus in, in the real world? Um, my program, I went to Long Island university, Brooklyn, uh, and, uh, we were very heavy neuro focused, and I would say I don't use a lot of neuro stuff. Like, I've, <laughs> you know, if, if it was, you know, 60% of our curriculum, I probably, um, you know, absorbed what I could from that. And, and again, I'm much more, I, I knew from the start as well that I wanted to be ortho sports, uh, work with very active folks. And again, I appreciate all the other things that I learned, but, uh, and being able to pass the board exam. But after that, that's really, I think, when you can go and choose and do what you want to do. Um, and yeah, I think that's some of the responsibility of the program. I know you're kind of in it, so it might be, not that it's hard to see necessarily, but but it's frustrating to be like, why am I learning this? <laughs> and uh, and you also brought up the fact that you, uh, you know, there's some silly things, like why are we sitting here? Why, why do I have to drive to campus and park and get and gas and everything? Um, when we could be doing this uh, over Zoom. Uh, and I think that's, again, the problem with a lot of real world <laughs> folks of like, this could have been an email, this could have been a memo, this didn't have to be a full use of my time. But yeah, so that, that's kind of the, the question about school in general, I guess, is, uh, is it um, supposed to get you ready for the real world? So if you have a, you know, and, and uh, how many uh, kids are in your, or, or I shouldn't say kids, but uh, I, feel, I feel like an old man now. Um, since I got my doctorate in 2008, but how many folks are in your uh, program? We have 59 total, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just from what I've seen in my experience of the 59, I would imagine at least 50 of them are probably going to be in some traditional role. And I don't know if you've had those conversations with folks um, in terms of staying in an insurance-based model, um, being in the hospital system, that kind of thing. So uh, do you, at this point, have you had those conversations with your classmates? Is that something you, you guys have talked about, thought about? It sounds like you're not going down that path necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, a lot of us have kind of like sort of teased out what we're really, really interested in and what we really want to spend our time doing with our last clinical rotations. Um, and I do think that's another frustration of PT school too, is, um, you know, say you're really set on outpatient ortho or inpatient rehab, you might not necessarily get the clinical rotation you're going for and you still have to learn all these things. Um, but 
it is something we've t- I've talked about with a few of my classmates. There's definitely a subset of people who are very much like, I want to do cash base. I want to do sports, sure. like, you know, college level and things like that. Um, whereas I do agree with you. I feel like the majority of my classmates, probably honestly, probably like 50 or so are going more towards the traditional route. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, along those lines, so you- yeah, let's come back to the the cost of school. So do you want to share with folks here <laughs> approximately how much that cost or the or the loans are um and we can talk a little bit about what salaries look like and things like that. Yeah. Um so I was fortunate enough that I my parents were able to have some money for my undergrad um degree, so I didn't have to take out too too many loans for that. Um but PT school it's about 40,000-ish for per semester. Um, I'm sorry, per year for Pitt, per year. Um, Technically, it's a state school. Is it a state school? It, it is, is a state school. Different? Yeah. Um, so that, that, that makes it cheaper. Right. Yes, it does make it cheaper. Um, so for out-of-state students, it would probably be even more. I honestly do not know exactly how much they pay. Um, but it's still quite an investment. Um, and as far as like the outpay, like, sorry, not outpatient, the salaries you can expect after graduation, it's a little bit less than you'd really expect for a doctorate degree, really. Um, And the return on investment, in my opinion, it just depends on your situation, really, and how much loans you're going to have to take out. But for a lot of people, I'm not sure if it would be worth it. Yeah, um, there's a really, I mean, kind of (laughs) scary, extreme uh, example of this. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ramit Sethi. He wrote a book Mm -hmm. called I Will Teach You to Be Rich, and that's kind of his brand. He talks about basic financial literacy stuff, and he had two physical therapists. I don't know if they shared uh, where they graduated from, but they graduated a few years ago, uh, and they shared the experience of how kind of the costs were very surprising to them. Um, which I think that's another part of this conversation. Like you sound like you at least had some understanding of maybe what it's going to look like at the end of it. And and now you're just like a little more disappointed in all these kind of hurdles. You're kind of having to jump and hoops you're having to jump through. Um, but yeah, what they shared is at their graduation, they both went to the same program and it was like, Hey, congratulations, your doctors, here's your white coat. Good for you. And here's an envelope of how much you owe. And it was like, you know, $200,000 something total 250 whatever it was and i think it sounded like again they didn't go as much into into detail about this but they had like two or three kids they i think they bought a house it sounded like but now they're up to eight hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars in debt um in a few years so on top of student loans and payments and he went through like you know what are some of the ways you can what what should you prioritize what should you be paying down this and that but at the end of the day again there's that question like when i'm listening to that like they made the choice to take on this huge uh, student debt. And then they made a choice to have X amount of kids, which has a lot of financial implications. And then they made the choice to get a house, which again, like there's other options. Um, it sounds like that's what they did. Um, and But it, it's a scary thing. And uh, again, he talks about, I think, looking at some of the recent statistics is physical therapists and veterinarians are two of the professions where we are spending a lot on education and the, the salaries are just not there. So again, the sal- the salary numbers I know around the country is probably with, for a new grad, uh, you're going to be somewhere between 60 and $75,000 a year is, is kind of that. And so if you have $150,000 in student debt, that equation becomes a little tricky. Uh, and, and yeah, again, you might have to just suffer 
or find ways to really cut down your cost of living and things like that. Um, and as you alluded to, you know, everyone's complaining about gas prices uh, these days. Uh, you know, so, so there's stuff like that where if you can't, you know, I was pretty lucky. Um, I was in New York City and I had a pretty good situation. Again, I didn't have to have uh, a lot of expenses, even though it's New York City, I found ways that I think I was able to, you know, knock down my student debts pretty quickly and still be making pretty good money. So, um, but yeah, let's bring it back to, to, you know, that whole concept of, uh, you know, do you have a plan, I guess, graduating of, uh, you know, kind of what you want to do in terms of, or what your expectations are for a salary? Yeah. Um, to be completely honest with you, my plans for post-grad have changed so much um since i even got into pt school i used to be like sports residency i want to like work for a pro team college team all that um i kind of i think a lot of people's kind of maybe mindsets and thoughts on life and things have kind of shifted since the pandemic um and i really kind of had a shift in my priorities um my dad passed away in 2020 like when my first year of pt school um, out of nowhere, sudden heart attack. And that just kind of really changed my perspective on things. Um, and I kind of realized that I don't necessarily want to be like, if you want to be a D a D one professional sports, physical therapist, you have to be all in physical therapy, strength and conditioning. That has to be so much of your life. And after my dad passed away and with the stress of the pandemic in general, I kind of just realized that I have so many other interests and hobbies and things that I want to spend my time in. And I also kind of thought about the traditional PT model residency, all the kind of structures um, and things, and just thought about like, how much am I really helping people going a traditional route as opposed to, I'd already had experience fitness coaching and personal training and doing that sort of thing. And I kind of thought about the impact I could make doing more of that type of thing and having my skill set from physical therapy school in conjunction to that, doing some physical therapy, PRN, bridging the gap there, and kind of thought I could maybe make more of a difference that way. And that's kind of where more I'm, I'm leaning towards. I still want to be a physical therapist. I still really like this profession, um, but I think I gravitate more towards the skill sets that we learn in PT school as opposed to the profession itself, if that makes sense. I think insurance kind of gets in the way more often than not. Um. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, 100% why I moved away from the profession very early on. I did a, a, a pseudo residency in, in New York City. It was uh, 18 months in a very busy Manhattan clinic. And uh, yeah, you could see I had to be pretty much responsible for 30 people a day um with all the documentation and things like that and then yeah it gets frustrating when yeah you're fighting for additional visits when this person's still in pain but their you know range of motion isn't improving or you have to kind of document things that way um and yeah at the end of the day the insurance companies and this is a fun part of that conversation is these are people who are practicing medicine without a license in, invariably is the insurance company because they're saying this person doesn't need more physical therapy and more often Often than not, the person saying that is not a physical therapist. They're not a medical doctor. Uh, so where are they coming from even making that, uh, you know, where's their training coming from? So there's there's a disconnect there. And that's where I a long time ago also said, like, I, I want to deal with a human being in front of me and say, hey, like, how much is it worth to you to get out of pain and feel better? And if you want to continue bodybuilding, like, 
you know, what are the things that we're going to do? Like, is it worth $10,000 to you to do bodybuilding pain-free? Maybe you want to be a triathlete. Like they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on their bikes and their gear and uh, going to events and, and how much, again, would they want to invest in the, keeping their machinery kind of clean. So that, that was kind of what drove me. Um, but yeah, talking about this disconnect in physical therapy school, at least between strength and conditioning and physical, physical therapy. And I think that, yeah, the curriculum that I've seen out there that I experienced that it sounds like you're still experiencing all these years later. Um, we're, we're almost 15 years disconnected between, uh, our, our curricula. Um, but it's, it's, I assume you guys, do you get one class, you get two classes in strength and conditioning? What's the kind of, is it? three sets of 10 external rotations, how to zero, not even one. We were fortunate enough to have an elective, um, advanced Therax, where it's essentially like basics of exercise. We had an exercise physiology class and, you know, it just frustrates me having the whole, like, this is the hypertrophy rep range. This is the strength rep range and no nuance whenever we're in a doctorate level program. Like I shouldn't be taught a personal trainer's baseline, something you can get just having a high school diploma when I'm in a doctorate level program and we're supposed to be movement experts. I should be able to decipher more nuance. And to be totally honest with you, I like feel like, I, I, sometimes I wonder where I would be in my confidence prescribing exercise as a clinician, coach, whatever, if I didn't put in the time myself to connect with people on social media, seek out additional learning myself, seek out other courses, because so much stuff is honestly, even in the CSCS, I feel like is outdated. Um, I feel like I've learned more when it comes to exercise prescription, bodybuilding on my own, working with coaches than I necessarily did in school. And Pitt, we're really, really lucky we have an advanced Therax elective, which is really helpful for kind of bridging that gap between strength and conditioning and um, physical therapy. But there are still some aspects that I wish were touched on more because like I have a, I personally have a background in the strength and conditioning field, but not all of my classmates do. And like I said, like I feel like the certification oftentimes is kind of the bare minimum. Like it's really not even that much. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my, my sort of thing there that I'll maybe give some perspective on is I did always yeah. kind of look at it as an, uh, similar to the medical model, right? Medical school gets you to very basic stuff. And then every person, every medical doctor has to go on to do a residency and or fellowship to go into their sports or uh, orthopedic specialty. So that, you know, that is kind of where the physical therapy profession, I think, has been headed. But as you said, also, yeah, it's, it's a really big commitment. Um, also, one thing I want to throw out is I know a few uh, professional sport team physical therapists, and I don't think they give that anymore if you don't also have an athletic training uh, degree or, or certification. So if yeah. that's something that you're interested in or someone else is interested in, um, again, just another big barrier to jump through. But bottom line is, yeah, um, also to your point of you're going to learn a lot more going out and, and being in the field and talking to different folks. And I, I luckily was... Uh, pretty fortunate, again, being in New York City where I, I um, got my doctorate and, and having access to some of the top professionals and, and some, you know, high level folks um, and being able to just say, hey, can I come by and watch what you do and learn from you? And most people were pretty gracious with that. And I, I'm very grateful that I got those opportunities. And 
uh, yeah, I, I would definitely encourage you to keep doing that and keep building that. And also as a student, I took as many, and again, I was in a position where, um, I didn't, I didn't find physical therapy school to be that challenging per se. Uh, and again, it wasn't my priority and I didn't care as much honestly about all of the levels of desiccation and what, you know, like all these fancy terms. And I'm like, I know I'm not going to really need this a year from now when I graduate. Um, so I took a lot of time instead of studying that and get, making sure I got A's on everything because nobody cares about what your, you know, your GPA is in physical therapy school as long as you have a license and a doctorate and you can, you can, you know, treat people and you can stick a needle in somebody safely and not puncture a lung, um, which still, still happens, unfortunately. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's like the one thing you shouldn't do if you're doing dry needling. Um, yeah. So I don't know how that gets missed, but uh, at the end of the day, the, there is this huge disconnect, again, coming back to that topic uh, between, and I think, again, it comes back to physical therapy school. It's important to understand, I think, to and, and I have had a few of my professors on and other folks who are in academia, um, and I think they'll all kind of say they're, they're not really there to necessarily make you the best clinician possible. They just mm -hmm. want to make you safe. They just want to get you that general kind of, again, like a driving test that won't make you an F1 race car driver, right? <laughs> you have your license. You're, you're just safe on the road that's the like are you do, able to do the bare minimum um unfortunately and and I, I think a lot of folks feel that same frustration especially if you're coming from that fitness space into physical therapy um and know that that's what you want to do and you're like can we get some more than like you said like yeah empty cans are not great for <laughs> for for your shoulder technically but is there a place for them maybe um yeah so so there's some interesting stuff there and then let's go to this last piece of, of professionalism um, you know, you, you've got some tattoos. We've, I've got some ink on there somewhere. Um, and, and in general, again, your persona online, um, and this is something that, again, this is the world we're living in, um, is one, you do a lot of cosplay. Um, you know, again, I can certainly see how a organization or, or company might say, hey, like, we don't like what you're posting on the Twitter. Um, and, and, you know, I'd like, I'd love to hear your experience around that and, and thoughts on that. Oh gosh. Um, so <laughs> there are a few ways I, um, I think my, so I don't know, medical professionals at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all multifaceted. Even if you're the most dedicated to like PTs live, breathe PT, you still have other interests. You still have other hobbies. We, you can, I feel like it's really hard to expect someone to be on professional exactly how you would want, how you kind of perceive a doctor in your head all the time. Um, and they're absolutely like, I think back to that um, study paper that came out um, a couple of years ago about the um, medical students and a lot of the women were, had bikini photos online. I'm yeah. not sure if, you're, yeah, and it was a whole thing. Um, and there was this one social media post, I can't remember who posted it, but they talked about how, you know, people have their perspective and they have their pre preconceived notions, especially, you know, maybe older patients who probably wouldn't be too happy with my tattoos or would, I don't know, maybe have some sort of preconceived notions of me if they knew I cosplayed or knew I had tattoos or what have you. Um, and that's understandable. You can't completely change people's beliefs and perceptions. And I think there's definitely like, you can't just be like guns a blazing. Well, this is who I am. And like, you, you know, screw the corporate, uh, 
screw the man. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Like you have to kind of yeah. understand how the world works and like you are a professional, you have a stock director degree, you have some responsibility to present yourself as such. But at the end of the day, I have a life outside the clinic too. I have other interests and hobbies. And if I'm not like kind of feeding my soul and the things that I'm interested in, I'm not going to be a good PT. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be able to give myself to my patients. Like, you know, you can't pour from empty, an empty cup, as they say. So if I, and honestly, also from a financials perspective, if I am going into the student debt and I'm able to make some money modeling and doing this type of things to pay off my loans so I can treat people, why would I, why should I be penalized because some of my cosplays might be more risque or what have you um, if I'm able to profit off of that hobby or even if I just enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I honestly, I think back to also, I got in trouble actually for wearing like a crop top to a practical, which I shouldn't have worn a crop top to a practical, but I got in trouble for it. And, you know, out of professionalism, a few days after that, I was at my clinical and my CI was like, you are so, I, you're so professional. I can't believe how well you're able to connect with patients. Like, and I just was like smirking in my head because like, wow, it's almost like what I wear one day doesn't affect my ability to turn it on be professional. It doesn't affect what I know. It doesn't affect my ability to communicate with a patient. I don't know. And then I've also had patients who have like seen my tattoos and have been like, oh my gosh, I love that anime. And I've been able to build up like incredible patient rapport off of that, as opposed to them just seeing me as another white coat or whatever, what they're, what they're dealing with. Um, sorry. I feel like that was really ranty. This one kind of gets me. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I think that's, that's, and that's why we have these conversations and we try to explore those that, you know, and then we have this long form thing and it's not just a Twitter 140 character back and forth thing. Right. right. Um, so yeah, totally appreciate you, you know, sharing that and, and voicing that frustration. And again, I, you know, there's obviously the, the, the gender gap too, of if you have a guy wearing, you know, a wife beater or, or, you know, whatever sun's out guns out thing, is that unprofessional? Um, or is that showing off his muscles or is that, you know, oh, like, you know, there's, there's a whole different perception for that. And yeah, there, you know, we, we live in a very interesting society and there's all sorts of psychological and sociological implications for that. But at the end of the day, I think coming back to it is, yeah. Um, you know, there is, you obviously kind of have to fall in line with getting your doctorate and making sure your professors are happy. And, and, uh, but then when you're out on your own and you're appealing to the real world, that's where you can, you can niche down on anime cosplay you could probably you know do that I, I heard somebody actually on twitter was sharing uh somebody just uh specializes in giving truckers long long haul truckers uh, a whole program of stuff they can do to keep their bodies healthy so um you know to your point also earlier about strength and conditioning and and physical therapy i tell a lot of people especially active folks who are in the crossfit space and things like that that if you go to a physical therapist and they don't have a squat rack in that space you're, there's probably a disconnect if they're they don't know how to get you from yellow rubber bands to deadlifting 500 pounds like there's a disconnect there um and unfortunately you know that there's there is that little gap so at the end of the day there's an abundance mindset and and i think that there's going to be enough humans who are going to connect with you there's probably going to be people who are going to be offended by you as as me i'm a new, new yorker i'm loud and i'm brash and i'm sure i've turned a lot of people off and i'm okay with that and you know i try to you can only um you know uh, censor yourself so much, even for you, like saying the prequels are better than the original Star Wars movie. Like, <laughs> there's going to be people who are like, I want nothing to do with this person. Just stating facts. <laughs> um, yeah. um, anyway, and are you a fan? Are you watching the Obi Wan uh, series? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
and it's 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 but, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but um Okay, they're definitely okay. I, I want to say they're definitely baiting prequel fans. There's a lot right. of like nostalgia fan service where the writing could be a bit better, but episode five was peak. And if anyone who's listening saw that episode, they know what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> okay. well, I, I finished Mando and then I haven't, uh, is I heard the other one, uh, what was the, the other, Boba Fett? Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. is that worth it too? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet, to be honest. Okay. I'm, I'm out of order with my I Star feel Wars like content. I gotta go to Boba Fett then. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see if we find time for that. But anyway, um, so we, we've established some professional stuff and things like that. And um, yeah, so uh, you also have your precision nutrition certification. I want to, to jump on that real quick. So is that something you do? Uh, obviously, it's probably harder to do while you're in physical therapy school. But is that are you into or is that something you're planning to pursue later on in terms of uh, nutrition coaching, anything like that? So I have some experience with nutrition coaching, um, and I am accepting clients right now. Um, but I, it's not something I'm. I don't really have too many right now. I have like one um, because it's PT school and cosplay and everything else going on. Um, but that also is kind of where I get bogged down with PT school and. Like, I have no problem with working hard, um, but I do have a problem with my time being wasted. And when I, like we kind of talked about, my, my example was like shoulder internal rotation with flexion, which, you know, not necessarily, I'm not saying do that all the time or anything like that, but I don't think it's like the devil, like PT school <laughs> sort of seems to make it out to be sometimes. Um, but Sorry, going off of that, I do feel like I've been able to make an impact on people with online coaching, um, with the nutrition, ad addressing nutrition, addressing actual strength and cardio, other things that people sleep, things that people have going on that affect their rehab too, which I do feel like in my program, it's starting, like we have talked about this, we had a health and wellness class, and I feel like it's been kind of brought up more and more. Um, but I do feel like the insurance model makes it really hard to address the whole person and really get them as healthy and good as we want them to be, which I feel like a lot of us went to PT school because we want to help people. And it's really frustrating to see when the corporate model doesn't always contribute to that. Um, and yeah, I feel like a lot of times I'm able to help people more from a nutrition standpoint, from a fitness coaching standpoint than I am from a physical therapy standpoint. And that's where I get frustrated with having my time wasted in PT school because yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll just um, add to that. I'm I, I move my practice. I do uh, five pillars of health. So I do talk about movement practice, moving them from a rehab to an active movement concept. And then nutritional stuff to me is vital that again, tends to get missed. Um, and then recovery practices and understanding sleep and stress and things like that mindset and then connection. I also always want to touch base with, and definitely the insurance model does not allow any of that stuff. Um, even the, the movement stuff is questionable. Um, <laughs> so, and that to me is like 20% of the equation. And, and even again, the insurance model is limiting. Um, so I, it's something I've actually pushed when people are, and, and the APTA, I'll give them credit. They do have. Uh, on their website, at least, and I've had uh, journal clubs with other clinicians and physical therapists, especially during COVID, where we talked about clinicians in the, in that group, and they were basically all scared to talk, or they felt they didn't have the time to talk about nutrition with their clients. And I'm like, why? Who? Like what? Like how? We're we're doing a disservice to our people, um, to our oh, patients, yeah. our clients, if we're not touching on that. And again, if you want to get the maximum recovery period, 
there's just basic biological stuff, physiological stuff that if folks aren't getting enough protein or they're eating stuff that is slowing down their ability to, to heal, um, they need that education. I think, again, it's, it's incredible that we're not there yet. And again, I think 10, 20 years from now, hopefully, we'll look back and be like, those guys didn't know what they were doing. Um, <laughs> and and I, uh, I actually try to reach out to physical therapy clinics and as a physical therapist who understands nutrition pretty intensely, I would say. And I offer them, hey, if you have someone coming in for ACL rehab, um, I think you should offer them this additional service that I provide of nutritional coaching. And they should be doing that from day one to get the most out of their rehab. They're going to get better results. You're going to look better. I'm going to look better. They're going to feel better. Um, it's a win, win, win. I don't know where uh, the disconnect is. But yeah, a lot of physical therapy places just don't have the bandwidth for that. Or they just feel like, oh, we can just give them a, a little handout and they'll figure it out on their own. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. And like you also said a very important thing that, that I want to uh, highlight is I think everyone gets into the profession, especially physical therapy, to try to help people and try to be one on one. That's where I found it. I was originally looking into chiropractic and I was like, this doesn't feel very scientific, um, you know, because I had an ankle sprain uh, and my chiropractor, the, the team doctor at the time in high school cracked my back. And I'm like, this is amazing. What's happening here? Like, I didn't really have a result, but I'm like, I want to figure out how cracking my back is going to fix my ankle. Turns out doesn't. Um, but you know, then I went to orthopedic surgery and I was like, I want to be this, this is the real medicine. Um, and I went and interned with him and he was injecting people's knees and pulling stuff out of other people's knees. And I'm like, and spending five minutes with each person. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like what I want to do. Um, but he talked about physical therapy and that's kind of how I discovered that of like, you're going to, you know, you're going to do your total knee replacement and then you're going to spend all your time with Abby. Um, and you know, you guys, she's going to, she's going to really, you know, uh, get you moving right and all that. So I was like, that sounds like what I want to do. And you know, that kind of led me down that path. So, um, coming back to you for a second, I, I do want to say again, it's, it's exciting to see that you're able to see the future. You're able to see the things that are going on. And I definitely encourage you to, um, have you talked to other clinicians, at least on Twitter or social media? I know, um, in terms of like what to expect and how to maybe get, through some of these frustrating times? <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely have a bit. Um, I've worked as a rehab aide at a pretty big sports medicine clinic for like six years or so now. So I have a lot of friends who are physical therapists. Um, I've talked to, I've connected with a good bit of physical therapists on social media. And it's really reassuring to be able to connect with like-minded like PTs like yourself and kind of see that there are other ways to take what I'm learning in PT school and apply it to like, help people more than I feel like I'd be able to in the traditional PT route. And kind of like to touch on one, one point that you made, like spending all your time with a PT, I don't think we like, I think we take for granted how much our patients will really tell us about like the whole picture of their health over the course of these sessions. Like you in, especially working at a bigger clinic as a rehab aide, there were things that this patient would tell me about their course of care that like, I'm not sure if the, the PT themselves would have heard it unless that uh, patient told me this. And I'm not sure that every rehab aide would necessarily know what dots connect there. That's a whole other topic though, as far as rehab aides and the skill set involved there. Um, but to go back to what I was saying earlier, um, our patients tell us so much and they will tell us, you know, a bit about their diet, a bit about their sleep, maybe not as directly as we would like, but they're still feeding us information as we ask them about their course of their day as we're treating them. And Going back to what you said, even about the protein intake, like how much is our rehab really helping if they're not actually fueling that muscle that we're trying to build for them? Um, 
And I think that we really kind of take for granted how much we can really make an impact outside of just the rehab process itself um, when it comes to PT. But yeah, yeah. I... Yeah, no, uh, the, again, the, the, and there is a natural healing process that the body's going to do mm -hmm. um, way before we had physical therapy and surgery, right? You'd break a bone and there's going to be a natural healing process. It might not heal the best way possible back in the old West or whatever, but the body has a timeline that it's going to heal. We know that we can speed up that healing. If we can take that from six weeks is, is like the optimal time. That's the fastest we've ever seen anybody heal, whatever the, the injury is. Um, but instead we're kind of babying it, or maybe we want to get more insurance visits because that's how we make more money. Um, you know, so maybe that draws out to 12 weeks or 18 weeks. Um, and unfortunately, again, uh, there's that disconnect again of, of, can we have those conversations and like, is it behooving the person to be better, faster, probably, um, you know, workers comp, uh, and I don't know if you've had to deal with that yet, but that's mm -hmm. a whole can of worms where again, people get injured at work and the work, uh, the, the company has to kind of pay for that. And nobody generally, the, the perception is, uh, those folks are not in a rush to go back to work because they're getting paid to not work. Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And again, I'm not calling anyone out, but anyway, the point is it gets a little cloudy. Um, and, and the other part I, that I want to go ahead. Sorry, just to interrupt real quick. I actually had my most recent clinical rotation, not the one I'm currently at, but my last one was a workers comp. It was Concentra. And I definitely had kind of a preconceived notion that people there were not going to want to go back to work. And there were definitely, there was like maybe one or two patients who I think were maybe malingering, but like most of my patients, I had to hold them back from doing too much or going back too early. So yeah, sorry. I just wanted to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, and again, like I said, there's, there's stuff on all sides of it. And, yeah. and again, uh, Concentra is an interesting one, right? They're a bit of a mill, dare we say? Yes, a little bit. I would, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's these big national chains. ATI is another one that, uh, you know, has a lot of kind of negative reputations for the way they do business. And again, goes against a lot of evidence-based practice. Um, and those of us who are trying to say, hey, we're physical therapists and we're here to help. And then... <laughs> You have these people over here giving us kind of a bad reputation of, and that's, that's always kind of that negative example I think we can give. And again, all these kind of political lines we have to play to some extent of, um, you know, I am the alternative to hot packs, massage, um, the, the traditional way you think of physical therapy. Ultrasound is something I haven't touched in a very long time. Um, and, you know, for many, many reasons. And I've, I've gotten into some fun arguments about that recently. Um, but the other part of this too, that's really interesting is again, as you go out, um, and you become a, a clinician and a doctor of physical therapy, um, a licensed practitioner. It's also interesting. You, we have this kind of internal battle of our profession of physical therapy is the APTA, American Physical Therapy Association, doing everything they should be doing to move our profession forward. I think, again, they have good intentions. Uh, they get bogged down by people arguing and, and just like a lot of other, just like the, the entire U.S. government. Um, we could certainly argue about that. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But uh, then there's the other battle if you will, of physical therapists against chiropractors and talking to the general population, the consumer of saying, hey, I think you're kind of wasting your time. And this is a big one that I've, I've been meaning to do a whole video on is um, out, out here in Colorado. Again, people are into a little bit more alternative type therapies, but these there's a, a, lot, a number of chiropractic offices that offer these like $29 evals and x-rays, and then they sell them on a $6,000 package um, that they're going to come in for the next six months and get all these adjustments and decompressions, and that's going to fix them. 
And the reality is there's zero evidence to show that's going to work. And again, I'd love to see anyone who's gotten any kind of success off of that. And if they have good for them, but give me $6,000 for the next six months, you're going to be one of the healthiest people I will ever know. <laughs> and, and, you know, like we, we can get a lot more value out of that. Unfortunately, again, I think these places are a bit predatory. Um, and I would, I hope like a John Oliver would do some kind of uh, thing on that, but you know, there's a lot, a lot there, but yeah, that's the other thought. Um, again, I'm all for inter uh, interprofessional, uh, cooperation and things like that. So I don't know if you've again started thinking about, or that's even, um, you know, in your wheelhouse at this point of looking at chiropractors, acupuncturists, oh, yeah. um, other healers. Uh, and again, you get this, this interesting thing with personal trainers who are like, I do corrective exercise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, come see me. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff there of, and at, at the same time, I've met personal trainers who I would trust more than I trust a lot of physical therapists. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, these, these labels and these, uh, licenses, there's a lot to be desired. Um, you know, you're now getting uh, knees over toes guy. I don't know if you've seen his stuff I have, yeah. and Patrick. Mm -hmm. And again, he's just a guy who went through a thing. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in what he does. I like doing sled drags. I don't know how useful tibialis anterior raises are for somebody with back pain. Um, but you know, they, this becomes the, like, this is the cult of this is going to cure me. Um, and I've seen a bunch of people not get better with his stuff. I've seen a bunch of people get worse doing his program, thinking it's going to heal my knee situation. Um, and again, that's where hopefully my thought, my takeaway from all these things, uh, in, in the grand scheme of folks I've had on before, and hopefully would love to hear your thoughts on this at the end of the day is if you know, you're out there and we have a better team of people practicing better physical therapy um, and really showing that, hey, this is how we heal the body. Again, Ben Patrick, uh, he became really, really popular. He's got millions of followers. Um, and again, he's not a physical therapist. Um, you know, he's got the respect of guys like Kelly Starrett and, and Mark Smelly Bell because he's done an amazing job of marketing. Um, and he's onto something with some of his stuff. But it's enough and there's enough of a need of people being like, I'm tired of knee surgeries. Um, and, and, you know, there's a huge gap there. So yeah, I'd, I'd want to, uh, know again, you know, or at least leave you with that thought of when you do graduate, uh, and getting through all these frustrating stuff, um, would be just go out and be the best freaking, whether you niche down or you don't, um, just be the best freaking physical therapist you can be and keep elevating this profession. Um, cause there's going to continue to be the concentras and the ATIs and the, we'll call them bad physical therapists. Um, you know, and then again, there's the bad chiropractors, like the ones I just talked about. There's also, again, great chiropractors that I've had on this podcast. And, and I would definitely, I've trusted my wife to go, Hey, I'm not going to crack your neck. Let, let, uh, let's let this chiropractor over there crack your neck. If you're having some neck stuff going on, or we can do some other stuff for it. But yeah, so I've talked too much now too. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I guess that, that, do you have any thoughts on kind of that different disciplines or, or any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, like I was kind of kind of off of the original kind of tweet that you recruited me off of, like re sometimes regretting going to PT school. And I don't regret going to PT school. Like I think I the things I have learned here, the profession of PT, I do love it. And I don't want anything I'm saying here to really come across as like hating on my school or profession because I don't hate that. I just think that the way that we're executing things is not optimal. Um, and that's why you see people go to these chiropractors or fitness gurus. And, you know, unfortunately, nuance is not sexy. It doesn't sell well. It's not in that's why these whole 
the chiropractor said this is going to fix your pain people just want a quick fix it's just human nature i want a quick fix for all my problems too like i don't want to i put in more work than i have to um but i think that like the traditional insurance model kind of like we're moving on a more online lifestyle whether we like it or not and it's been accelerated since the pandemic and that's why these influencers and people are able to make so much more of an impact also just like the cost of these co-pays for some people is just mm -hmm. insane and I mean, not to mention like gas prices right now. Like if I can figure out how to fix myself from someone on Instagram, why should I pay this person? Especially if you talk about a PT mail where the PT is not even going to spend that much time with you. And sometimes I think about like, if I didn't know what PT was, if I didn't know the first thing about exercise and I just went to whoever and I was a young athlete and I was doing straight leg raises, clamshells, say six months post ACL reconstruction, like, I wouldn't know if that's good rehab or not. Like I probably would feel like something's off, but then you used to spend all those co-pays. You're not making an optimal rehab. Um, sorry, I'm ranting again. No, but that's all right. <laughs> at the end of the day, I just feel like there is a, like, it's tough because, you know, we can hate on these other health gurus and things as much as we want. We can say that they're speaking out of scope, whatever, as much as we want, but like, are we really doing that much of a better job at actually helping people? I mean, I am. Well, yeah, <laughs> a lot of PTs are. I'd like to think so anyway, but yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. I think everyone does have the best of intentions and totally it's, it's a, it's a tricky game. And that's why, again, I appreciate you coming on here and talking through this. And I did want to pull up your original tweet. So do you feel like oh, yeah. you've, you've kind of uh, gotten through that? To be honest, the more time I spent in PT school, the more I wish I would have more thoroughly researched the field and looked at other career options. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of like for my, so also going off that tweet, a lot of it is also personal things too. Like I am more artistic than I feel like I wanted to admit to myself when I was kind of deciding what the heck I wanted to do with my life. And PT just felt like, you know, doctorate, stable, good. But I feel like as times are changing and also as I realize I can have career paths in more artsy fields like cosplay and things like that, I kind of be like, oh, I, I kind of think to myself, like, this wasn't the only option for me. And, you know, kind of wish I would have taken more time thinking about that. I don't regret PT school. I still love PT and strength and conditioning, all that stuff. I will always do. Um, but I sometimes think about like, what if, what if I would have thought about this a bit more, did more research um, too. Yeah. And I think that's, again, some hopefully the, the conversations that will maybe help folks who are thinking about going into physical therapy school and could be more aware. And again, I think it changes your mindset, too. Uh, again, a lot of people go into parenthood not really knowing what to expect. And uh, you're always like, wow, if I had only known this or that, um, you know, I started rock climbing and I just wish I, I just did a thing where I wish I knew somebody had told me like, hey, your shoes should get resold because you might you don't do it soon enough. Then those shoes are useless. Uh, so I just lost a pair of rock climbing shoes just because nobody told me and I didn't know where to go for better uh, information. And I blame my wife, who is an experienced rock climber and did not tell me. But anyway, that's one of those things that on a small scale, uh, <laughs> very different. But yeah, the same thing for physical therapy school. I do think it's worth having that conversation. And again, I, I have this conversation with a lot of uh, experienced clinicians and it's not a hundred percent like oh, I definitely would would go back and do my doctorate. Um, right. And again, especially with the way prices have changed. Again, I think I came out of school with about a hundred thousand dollars 
in loans. Um, and I was in a good situation, like I said, where I was able to pay that all off within maybe 10 years. Um, and you know, uh, that's a pretty aggressive rate. <laughs> I think people tend to pay them off over 20, 30 years in general. So depending on what you're doing, and again, you go to, uh, the example of the, the podcast I mentioned earlier, uh, they got up to $828,000 in debt. Um, and that's just a, I mean, it's a sad story. Uh, and, but yeah, that's, that's something that seems impossible to crawl out of um for for the rest of your life almost and uh just a real quick thing on that one was uh he was i think doing a pretty busy uh i think he was doing some kind of cash-based stuff or or uh and working in a clinic too and i think he was making like one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars as a pt which is not unheard of um and then she was uh doing some part-time stuff because i think they had some young kids so she was making like forty-five thousand dollars um something like that so i think altogether they were making about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year as two physical therapists, which comes down to 75,000 median average of salary. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, that's pretty hard to, to make all your payments. And they went through some of that stuff on that podcast. So, uh, it's something to think about. It's something to look at. And again, for me, as, as I was starting to say is, uh, I think I would certainly choose to go to a cheaper school, uh, to take on less debt, uh, where I was, there was city university, Hunter college. Um, I think their program would have been a lot cheaper. Um, then I went to a private university, Long Island University is, uh, not a state school, even though it's got Long Island in the name, you'd think it'd be a state school, but it's not. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot to think about there. So again, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. Any other closing thoughts before we, uh, we cut out? Nothing I can think of just, I, nothing I said, I love PT, love pit. It's just you know, we can always get better. We can always improve. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no matter what situation you're in, uh, you know, uh, you know, people, people have their struggles and hopefully, yeah, you find that love for what physical therapy is. We're supposed to be. And, and again, I would, I would encourage you to keep exploring. And one thing we didn't really touch on again, you, you said you had 50 something kids in, or, or again, I said kids, uh, you have 50 something people in your, in your program, in your class. And again, there's, I think close to 20, uh, specialties you can go down. You can become a woman's health specialist. You can become a geriatric, a pediatric, an oncology specialist. Uh, there's just, the list goes on and on. I was really amazed to, to figure this out, which again, I didn't know that going into physical therapy. Um, I go to career day and I tell kids uh, in like my old high school, I'd, I'd go there and I'd be like, hey, there's like all these different things that physical therapy can do. It's not just again, what you think of as an ACL tear, and then you have hot packs and, and a few, you know, yellow rubber band exercises kind of thing. Um, there's a lot more to the profession. And, and I do think it's important to understand, explore that. And I do wish the education, I think it's, it gives you an amazing base of understanding the human body. And again, I think we understand the human body more than most other professions um, and, and clinicians out there. Uh, another interesting thing, I mentioned dry needling and, and stabbing people's lungs, which is something that should not happen ever um, based on really simple understanding of anatomy. Um, but what's really crazy is there's states where I practiced in New York and California where physical therapists are not allowed to put a needle into a person. Uh, and that has to do with, again, practice acts and politics and all that stuff. And so it's been interesting being here in Colorado where I can order imaging here, uh, which usually is only done in the military by physical therapists. Yeah. Um, I can order blood work here. I can, again, do dry needling. Um, and, and it's very cool to see. It's also cool to see what people are doing out here with that. Um, so there's, there's hopefully, again, some evolutions that we're going to see and people taking advantage of some of these kind of opportunities and growth and evolution. And again, the, it's just tough for some, some, an organization like the American Physical Therapy Association to say, we see all your problems, 
um, and they just got to pick their battle. So they might be battling still over Medicare cuts and things like that because it's affecting the majority of clinicians. Um, so until we all kind of band together and, and, you know, step up, uh, I do appreciate you speaking out and I want to, you know, applaud that, encourage that and, and say, yeah, let's keep fighting the good fight. And, uh, you know, the, the cliche quote of be the difference you want to see in the world and all that good stuff. And at the end of the day, we got to, I think, um, hopefully, you know, look to guys like Craig Liebenson, who who's, you know, uh, shared shared this uh, convo out. Hopefully he's listening um, and, and has some thoughts and maybe he wants to share them at some point. But, yeah, I think there's there's tons of good stuff out there. But, yeah, there's still we're still the minority, unfortunately, I think, of, of those trying to change uh, what the, the status quo is. Um, and so hopefully again, uh, you know, if you can do that earlier on in your career, that might be an amazing jump off point. Um, I, I appreciate your, uh, <laughs> your obsession with this flexion internal rotation thing. So maybe I just want to grow my delts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, understanding that there is a place for all that, um, is important. I don't think the Arnold press really is, is, as biomechanically negative as as that but yeah anyway i i i tell people to do arnold press there's no problem with that um anyway uh let's tell people where they can find you i have your twitter and instagram on the video here um and anywhere else a good place to contact you yeah um twitter and instagram are there um i'm on tiktok it's i believe the same as my instagram abby k period fit um, and I'm also, I have a second Instagram for my cosplay, but it's linked to my fitness one. So you can just find it from there if you want, if you want, <laughs> if you want, and then we, we can go back to, and if you guys are watching, listening, you made it all this way, uh, prequels or the original trilogy of star Wars movies vote. And I'm, I'm curious how the age impacts that. Cause as I said, I was uh, a teenager when, uh, the prequels came out and I got to see them in the theaters and. It was disappointing. It was it was disappointing. I mean, uh, Jar Jar Binks obviously was a, a big oh stain God. on all that. I do like the theory though, and if you, I'm sure you've heard of it, but maybe oh, yeah. some listeners haven't. That he was a Sith Lord, and he was kind of uh, setting things up, even though he was goofy and act playing stupid. He was actually setting everything up um, to to the way that things needed to be. So I do like I, that. Makes it much more entertaining prequel um if if that was true but i wanted i want uh george lucas to confirm that theory but anyway um so if you guys are out there vote prequels or original and i don't think anyone's voting for the 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 three newest ones or i did like rogue one right that was the but that was kind of on its own and it was kind of it was kind of separate so we don't we don't know where that fits but it was it was i thought that was actually probably the best standalone one actually um, when you really look at it, but anyway, yes. Are you in agreement on Rogue One? Is that? Can we oh yeah, absolutely. I liked her so much more than the the sequel trilogies are. Throw them in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen whatever the most the most most recent one is. Um, whichever I forget the names of them now. I anyway. wouldn't waste your time. Rise of Skull Skywalker, Rise but that's Skywalker, easily the worst okay. one. That's yeah. not the one where he he throws the milk and the lightsaber out in the beginning. Is that that that's was the one Last that Jedi? Out? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Without nerding out too much, guys, I um, want to thank Abby for joining us in between her studies. Um, I wish you luck the rest of your uh, education there and, and dealing yeah. with some of those annoyances. Uh, but yeah, get through it um, and then, you know, join us on the other side. Um, Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, hope you guys got 1% better. If you do, uh, if you did, please don't forget to like, share, review, leave a rating on your favorite app of choice. Apple, Spotify always helps. If you're here on YouTube, subscribe, all that jazz. 
And uh, Abby, we'll see you next time. And we're signing off now.